welcome back to What the HR Podcast. I'm Jesse Novi, an HR business partner with CH Robinson. And I'm Mike Toole, HR technology consultant with SAP SuccessFactors. Welcome back to another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by Andrea Anderson, who is the group director for Skywater Search Partners. Andrea's expertise is in their human resources group, and Skywaters is ranked as the number one executive search firm in Minnesota by Forbes magazine and the Twin Cities Business Journal. They are a proven resource for companies and candidates that are looking to quickly and confidently explore their short list of best choices. Andrea has an incredible background um, as an HR practitioner. She's worked um, in recruiting. She's also been an HR business partner and specifically was an executive recruiter with Securion Financial before she joined Skywater Search Partners in 2020. In this episode, Mike and I interview Andrea on how an HR practitioner would best transition from working for a large scale, maybe even as large as a a global organization to a smaller scaling company and vice versa. Some things that they should think about in terms of preparing for interviews, how they should handle their marketing materials like a resume and their LinkedIn profile, and also how a search firm such as Skywater can really play an important part and be a strong advocate for a candidate that is looking to make this kind of transition. So we know you're going to love this episode. Andrea has a ton of knowledge in this area, and you're going to really enjoy her passion and energy around this topic. As always, if you're loving our episodes, please go out to your favorite podcast platform, leave us a rating and review. They really help us get the word out about our wonderful guests and the topics that we cover. As always, thanks for being a listener and enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Andrea, welcome to the What the HR podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you. I know that we gave our listeners um, a little bit more of a formal bio at the the top of the podcast, but if you could just maybe give our listeners a little bit more information about you, and then um, also if you could share with them um, what you do at Skywater and how Skywater uh, could maybe be a resource for them. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. So Andrea Anderson, I lead uh, the HR search practice at Skywater Search Partners. Um, For those that aren't familiar with Skywater, uh, we are a Minnesota-based executive search firm. We're actually the largest in Minnesota for what we do. Um, We do 100% permanent placement, so we're not the firm for a contract role or um, a a consulting engagement. We are 100% permanent placement, like to think of ourselves as an extension of our clients' talent acquisition team. Um, In 2021, we placed 474 people here locally. Um, it was um, a record-breaking year for us, as it were, as it was for many of our competitors. Um, the talent market has been uh, very busy over the last year, year and a half. And my team works on everything from a um, you know lower-level recruiter role all the way up to CHRO roles. Um, and our sweet spot is is small to mid-market, high-growth. Uh, Twin City-based organizations. About 80% of our work is here in the Twin Cities, but about 20% of our search is national search. So um, we certainly have national search capabilities, but our bread and butter is our hometown um, right here in the Twin Cities. We have 10 practice areas. Um, I lead HR. And um, before coming over to Skywater, 
I spent 15 years in corporate HR. So um, I have the unique kind of combination of having, you know, been an HR business partner, having led talent acquisition, having, you know, implemented Workday. Um, so I'm, I'm able to make some really good connections with clients around what their talent needs are. And then having really robust conversations with candidates around what they're looking for um, in their next move and what they've done in their past. Great. We have such similar backgrounds. So you're in really good company today. And um, again, I know at the top of the hour, we shared with our listeners a little bit about our topic, but just to refresh everybody, we're going to talk with Andrea today about um, HR professionals that are interested in transitioning from smaller organizations to larger companies and vice versa, and kind of the best way to do that and to position themselves. So Andrea, I'm going to kind of hand it over to you right away for really getting us kicked off on what do you think are some of the first steps that a a candidate should do? Is it, you know, focusing on getting their resume and their LinkedIn in place? Is it defining their why? Is it all Mm -hmm. of the above or maybe something I haven't mentioned? Yeah, that's a really good uh, question and a timely one, because I think a lot of people spend some time during this time of year reflecting on you know, what was the last year all about? You know, what are my goals for the, the following year? And, and oftentimes their career kind of comes into that reflection. Um, so I, when, when someone's starting a job search, um, I always, I, I ask them to take some time for this, for themselves to reflect. And this is helpful, not only for um, our conversation with them about what's next, but for them to really think about what are kind of the key um, the key attributes that they're looking for when they're going to make their move, right? Um, and so take some time reflecting on what are some projects that gave you a ton of energy in the last year? Um, what are some things that maybe didn't go so well that you're looking maybe for a change in? And so spending some time um, reflecting on that um, and and kind of a unique advantage that, that Skywater can provide or any external recruiter can provide is we're really kind of think of us as, Maybe your concierge, like your career concierge, or you're your friend that that knows a lot about career search. You know, we can have those really candid dialogues with you that can be really casual and um, unearthing to kind of get you to reflect on, you know, what is it that what is your value proposition? What are you bringing to a, a new client, a, a new company, and um, what are the things that um, you know you're looking for to make a change in? So, really think of us as you know, a a friend in that, you know, you don't have to come all like buttoned up suit and tie with us, you know, think of us as a friend. But um, so as you're thinking about what's next, I think, yeah, your resume is important, um, you know, and and recruiters can certainly give you advice on what that is. Um, You know, I'm not going to be that resource that tells you it's not important because it certainly is. I'm sure we all have that idea that, you know, recruiters spent a minute looking at your resume, but, you know, a talented recruiter is looking at a lot in that minute, right? And um, making sure that um, what's on there truly reflects the value that you've brought um, in your career and is clear about what direction you're taking next. So really making sure that you're feeling confident about um, what your resume is conveying before throwing it out there. I, I really will take some time to making sure before you're um, formally going to pursue a, a job change or a search to 
to really get that honed in before you start submitting it to potential companies and um, being time, taking time to reflect on that and or partnering, you know, with a friend or external recruiter that can help you with that. Um, a third, I think a third perspective makes a big difference um, when you're putting together a resume. I mean, even us in HR that spend, you know, so much time looking at other people's resumes when it comes to your own, sometimes it's just, it's, it's like pulling teeth. So, um, have have a trusted colleague or friend or, or external recruiter um, spend some time with you um, reflecting on your resume and getting that shored up. Um, cover letters, I'm not a fan, never have been. Um, a lot of my peers aren't either. Um, a recruiter, um, an external recruiter is, is your cover letter. We tell your story. That's another big advantage of partnering with someone externally. Um, we can We can tell the story that that, that kind of brings your resume to life and, and telling the why and, and really what the value is that you're bringing. And then being able to speak to your personality and, and some of those softer competencies that a resume not, might not always get across um, when just being viewed. So. Mm -hmm. so I imagine that doing those things, whether you're moving from a large to a small to me, like you're going to do that stuff, right? Whether you're it, it, not necessarily specific to, I think, small to large or, or vice versa. Those are things you need to do. So in terms of what you've seen when people do want, let, let's go from large to small, yeah. just, just for an example, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that do work in corporate America for a long time or like, we want something different. What are the yeah. things that you see uh, as far as maybe skills that transfer over into a smaller role, smaller business role? And also some of the reasons why you see uh, people wanting to move away from large companies into small ones. Yeah. Um, so it might be helpful to think about it or talk about it in, in a perception kind of context. Like what are the perceptions when clients are looking at candidates, like a small company is looking at a candidate from a large company. Um, and then I'll talk about how you can kind of craft your background to dispel some of those concerns. So I think the big attraction to candidates that are coming from a, a big company um, and going to a smaller organization is ownership. Being able to have, you know, more ownership over over processes, um, less bureaucracy, uh, less politics, having more ownership, um, a, a bigger breadth um, in terms of responsibility and exposure. Um, and so that's oftentimes what I hear. Um, from candidates in terms of why they're they're interested in making a, a move to a smaller company. Um, on, on the flip side, the company, right? Um, some, some of my smaller clients are, are looking for big company experience, but they oftentimes want that big company experience coupled with they've already made the move to small. So, <laughs> um, but uh, some of their perceptions or concerns around some, why someone might not be a good fit is that they're too, maybe too reliant on like an HR COE model. Um, so if you're like an HR business partner at a big company, um, they may feel that you can't bring a talent acquisition expertise because you've been reliant on um, your corporate recruitment team to do that for you. So you can't do it. Um, or that maybe they're not a doer, that there's a perception that kind of big company HR is just kind of a machine and and things kind of just don't get moved forward. And it's a lot of talk and not a lot of action. Um, the uh, kind of related to that comment, I'll, I'll hear uh, from clients that they have concerns that 
um, because they were a part of X, Y, and Z big company. Um, they're not nimble. They're not able to kind of um, be nimble and quick and, and adjust to changing priorities. Um, also less leadership. Um, and and th- this is oftentimes a fact in, in a lot of larger company HR roles. Um, elevated HR business partners um, may not, for instance, may not have the opportunity to lead HR teams. They might be an individual contributor at a high level and being paid like a leader um, and want to now kind of transition to a smaller company HR role where they're going to be leading a team and they may not have necessarily formally led people um, or haven't done that in a number of years. So, um, and then I think lastly, the other misconception oftentimes is a lack of connection to the business, um, that it's, you know, a corporate HR function. And so it's, it's, disconnected and and not as connected as it truly is um, to the business. So those are are some of the misconceptions. And so as you're thinking about what those those could be, right, then you have to be intentional about telling your story and dispelling those myths. And so through your resume or through your, or or, or through like, for instance, if I was talking to a candidate that was trying to um, make that transition, I would be very specific about giving my client examples of when they have done just those things um, and, and telling the story around that and helping the candidate get some of that language and those experiences um, into their resume. Yeah, I think that those are really great examples. And um, uh, listeners couldn't see me, but I was smiling and nodding along because those um, align with my experiences as well. Um, what would you also say, or maybe build on to that, Andrea, in terms of um, building out your network? Um, you know, and you know, often one of the benefits too—I don't know if you had mentioned this about search firms—is your networks are so huge. So I can't think you kind of alluded to that when you said like we're a friend, mm-hmm. um, and friends are oftentimes really, really great networkers for us and really great advocates for us, which really good search firms do a great job at. But above and beyond that, you know, in my personal experience, I think really building your network and sometimes spending time just asking the questions and educating yourself can also be a really great way when you're stepping into an interview opportunity, whether small to big or uh, big to small can um, also help better prepare you. Would you agree with that? And if so, is there anything that you would add on top of what I just stated? Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um, and I think that um, your network can do wonders for you and, and, relationships can, can really make or break a career. I mean, it, it's, um, we live in a huge metropolitan area, but I will tell you, it is amazing how small (laughs) our HR community is, um, and how interconnected we all are. So, um, yeah, certainly leveraging your networks and, um, you know, never burning bridges is an important thing. I think the other thing too, um, that I think is a unique kind of characteristic of, of search firms. And I will, maybe not all the firms are like this, but we also get a vet roles, right? Like we don't have to say yes to everything. <laughs> we make sure that the clients that we're partnering with and the leaders that we're working um, for the search for, we feel really comfortable putting our name with. 
Um, and so there's a level, I guess, you know, it, there's a level of vetting that has already happened um, for us to take the search. And so feeling like if there is a role that we are presenting to a potential candidate um, that that they're in good hands and um, we wouldn't take it if we didn't feel confident in the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, would you maybe spend a little bit more time just talking about, you know, you had indicated that um, as a representative of a search firm that you guys do a really good job and kind of being the cover letter for the employee, but could you talk a little bit maybe further about how an employee wanting to make this transition could really practice and prepare to become really specific with their examples. And maybe just to tee this up, um, I'll give an example of um, an an individual like myself who has worked for a very large company for nearly six years now. Although, Although I support a piece of the pie, if you will, a part of a larger global organization, each of my businesses are like small businesses underneath a large umbrella. So if I was interested in transitioning to a small company, I may speak to specifically the revenue associated with the business that I support and the specific responsibilities I have with that leader Mm -hmm. versus focusing on the larger, you know, broader organization, if you will. So um, maybe, you know, you'll agree or disagree with my approach there. And then if you do agree, maybe kind of build on to any other specifics that somebody might want to do like that in preparation. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I think that you you did a very beautiful job, um, starting that story of articulating while I have been a part of a larger organization, let me tell you why this experience is super translatable to, this opportunity where you're maybe owning an HR function at another company. Um, I, I had complete oversight over the budget and the PL. Um, I understood, you know, I, I facilitated strategic planning sessions for the business and um, knew when to pull in, you know, um, my compensation team. And, and while I maybe haven't done comp transformation work on my own, I've been a part of compensation transformation initiatives that I feel like I could lead or at least provide oversight to a comp team um, when they're going through that. So, so bringing that the unique opportunity is that the, that you know, the recruiter in this case, if you're working with an external recruiter knows what are the challenges that this role is going to face or what, what experiences are they looking for in this role um, in the next 12 to 18 months, if you will. And so I could say, you know, Jess, um, just went through a comp transformation project with um, the commercial business. I'm just making something up right now that she supports. And let me tell you, you know, that business is, I'm again, making up numbers, 1200. And so it's really a business within a business and you need that experience in this, in this next role that we're looking for here. And while she hasn't let it organizational wide, if I were to lift this business, it, she, she truly is leading HR for the commercial segment. And, um, and then, so, so that, that pre-work that we do, whether it's, it's me or, you know, if you're doing it, your search on your own is, okay, what do I know about the company? You know, what do I know about this role? And then how can we carve out some of those experiences? And I would put some prep work on you to say, 
I want you to sit down and like write about it. I want you to like live that project again so that when you interview next Wednesday, um, you're able to lift that out and leverage that in a number of different questions that could be asked of you um, when you move into the um, into the interview. And, and I may, you know, if, if you're partnering with a recruiter, I may even prep the client, you know, it would be really great to talk to Jess about this project. Here's what I understand she did. Here are the synergies that I see. And so they're already prepped to have that, that dialogue with you so that you don't spend, you know, your, your first meeting with them. You know, first, I, you know, from 2001 to 2007, you know, I spent time at, you know, X, Y, and Z company. I held a number of different roles. And the reason I left was X, Y, and Z. I've already prepped that, you know, I've, I'm telling them about the rationale. You can get into the meat and potatoes of, of what you've done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As somebody who has sat in your shoes a few times, there is, there's nothing worse than a, a snooze fest of somebody pretty much like reiterating their resume to mm-hmm. you. So for those of you listening, please never do that. It's, it's <laughs> never a good selling point. Make sure you have your elevator speech down really well. And we talked a little bit about the defining of your why at the beginning of our conversation. I think it's really good to be real cr- crystal clear on that because likely in an organization, whether you're wanting to move from uh, small to large or large to small, they're going to ask you why, you know, you've had all this small business experience Mm -hmm. or large business experience, what interests you in making this change. And if you're not clear on your why, uh, likely you'll, you know, you'll lose that interest right out of the gate. Absolutely. uh, On that note. So it's easy to say that, Hey, get, like get prepared for that interview, you know, just, just, just as, as you mentioned that it, it is a snooze fest. And the reason people do read from their resume is oftentimes because they're just not great at interviews or maybe they haven't had that. Yeah. They they may not be prepared as well, but, but in general um, they just maybe haven't done it. Maybe they're early in their career. So what can people do to prepare for those interviews? And I know you mentioned a few things there, but um, just in general, maybe talk a little bit about the structure of most of these interviews and things that people can expect and things that they should be talking about, whether that's asking questions right away and not saving them until the end when they say, do you have any questions for me? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you prep your clients on just interview practices in general? Um, to answer the last question, I do, um, but it's all dependent on what the client wants um, some clients are really sophisticated. They have a competency model. They have an interview guide where they select competencies and they spit out a beautiful, you know, overly processed <laughs> interview guide. Mm-hmm. And then I have some hiring teams that haven't interviewed in 10 years and they don't know what to ask. And so then that's a much more um, consultative process in terms of identifying key questions to ask. Um, and, or, and, and I more mean more. Yeah. And I mean, more for the, the candidate. Oh, sure. Yep. Yep. So what I do in terms of prep or what I suggest candidates do in terms of prep is um, it sounds basic, but number one, you need to research the company. If you don't research the company, you might as well just like not go to the interview. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So it makes spend a lot of time researching the financials who, you know, the industry competitors, um, doing some LinkedIn search, you know, trying to figure out, you know, maybe how HR structured, um, gleaning any, and then of course I'm sharing a lot of, you know, context, but if you don't have that context, doing the research, you can leveraging your network, 
um, from an organizational perspective. Um, I, the best advice that I feel I can give candidates is to, and we talk through examples, um, or, or I, I guess not examples, but themes of, I want you to think about like the most difficult client or customer that you've ever worked with. I want to want you to think about that situation. And I want you to like literally write down like what made it difficult. Um, you know, what was the situation? How did you you know, the, the star model, but like, you know, how, how did you remedy? What was your, what effort did you take to, to remedy that relationship? And, and ultimately were you able to turn it around or, you know, did you part ways think through? And then, so we talk about like, or, you know, your proudest accomplishment as it relates to talent, what was it, you know, like what, paint the picture from literally write it down. And we, you know, maybe it's, we go through like seven or eight, depending on what the client needs, or, or you may say, okay, what are some of the big buckets that I want to prep for? And just really owning and understanding your elevator speech on those situations, because that level of prep will allow you to come into the interview. And no matter what question is thrown at you, chances are that pre-work that you just did will be able to answer you'll be able to pull from that and be able to be really articulate and crisp about what that experience was, what your impact was and the result. Um, and you won't be, you know, uh, rambling on and you'll be very succinct and you don't want, you still want it to be conversational, but you want to revisit those experiences in your background so that they're, that they're fresh and that you can give um, succinct, crisp um, examples for those questions. Do you guys ever role play with your candidates? Yep. Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's And we awesome. give them a big list of don'ts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, it, so what I always found kind of fascinating with the, the recruiter relationship is that oftentimes you may, that company, your client may be interviewing somebody that you reached out to, right? Like they're recruiting you based off your background. And so, and, and I've, and I've, I've been recruited. I've sat down in those meetings before and I sit down like, well, tell me why you want to work here. I'm like, well, you guys called me. So is there, what is the dynamic there and how do you, because what we've talked about so far is like you as a candidate, do your research, make sure you know the company, make sure you know you, your why, make sure that you've reached, like you have all these down when some people I think are thinking, well, they called me. So how do you prep somebody to say, hey, go in there and make sure that you check off your items that you want to see out of the company that's interviewing you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point, Michael, um, because it, it is a two-way street. Um, you know, if, if, if I have reached out to a candidate, right, I've sourced a candidate that's maybe a more passive um, and shared the story of this role and why I think they are great, you know, they're a great fit for it. At the point where I'm presenting to them, them to a client, I'm they they need to want the job, right? Like they they need to go in with it at least an understanding of this is something that I'm intrigued enough with that I, sure. I kind of want to sell myself because um, you know I'm, I'm putting this time and effort in. Now on the flip side, right? Like if if you're a corporate recruiter and you've reached out to X Y and Z candidate on LinkedIn and you you got them on the call, right? <laughs> um, that oftentimes is much more of the, 
in my, in my experience, that's much more of the pitch. Like the recruiter is doing 80 to 90% of the talking and the candidates may be doing five to 10, mm-hmm. you know, enough to say, okay, is there enough interest here for us to explore this further? And then we get on a call. Right. So sure. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I guess the prep that I'm talking about is when we're, when we're serious, right. Like in, in the, in the, the candidate, um, you know, company dynamic, we're at a point where we're going on a date. Like there's enough interest on both, on both ends that, that we want to see if this is a match. That's kind of the level of prep that I'm talking about in kind of what, what I would say the courting process, kind of that first call that's kind of understanding, you know, do we have, is there enough here where we feel like it's, it makes sense to go on a date, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and I just, I I figured that you guys play so many people and you, you probably stay in touch or at least know the people that you placed and whether they were successful in that role. And so I, in my mind, I think, you know, as an advisor to both the candidate and the company, you know, what sort of things, you know, maybe on, just on a personal level, hey, Jess, really make sure that they check these or like, what are the boxes that you want to check to make sure that you're going to be happy in the role? Because I assume that you care about the candidate being very happy as well. And that's, so that's where I was, I was trying to go with that. I, I agree. By the time they take that meeting, hopefully they've, they've mm-hmm. checked a few of those boxes, whether that's through research or conversations, but I was, I was just curious how, how maybe you yeah. advise people like, and you, you know, you talked about a little bit in the beginning, as far as like figure out your why, mm-hmm. but I think that's where some reflection, which is what you talked about in the beginning, really mm-hmm. understand like, why are you leaving and what do you want mm-hmm. uh, before you walked into that, into that meeting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When we, when we meet with candidates for the first time, you know, the first call is really to understand first, like, you know, where have you been? What have you done? You know, where do you want to go in your career? And then after that, we, we talk about, of course, like things like, you know, comp right now, you know, where do you want to work? Do you want to work at home? Do you want to work in the office? Do you want to do a little bit of both and what cultures and values and, and dynamics of a, of a new workplace are really important too. Um, and so I take all of that information from a candidate before I even start pitching them on roles that I'm working on. So like sure. based on what you just shared with me, Jess, um, there's a couple roles that I think could be of interest to you and here's why. And then I would share, you know, the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's typically kind of how the process cadence goes when it, when, when I'm, I'm working with candidates. So you're, yeah, you're filtering it out yeah. before you're not, you're not just throwing positions at somebody and hoping that something sticks. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, switching gears just a little bit. I, I am curious for some oh, people that, sorry, yeah, Mike, go ahead. before yeah. we switch gears, I just kind of want to maybe pile onto that. Just one quick yeah, comment. Yeah, um, hopefully uh, any recruiter that's listening to this episode realizes that interviewing is a conversation and it's a two-way street because, you know, frankly, I, I mean, I probably started out my career, um, given that I, I found my first job out of a newspaper ad that, you know, I came from, you know, early interview experience where it was less about what I thought about the company and more about what the company thought about me. It was very yeah. one-sided, but, um, thankfully through, through time and companies getting smarter about the talent experience and, uh, wanting to uh, have a company culture where they uh, want to attract employees and they want to retain employees, that that has changed. But I do think that it's really important as a candidate going in for an interview, 
um, that having your why be really crystal clear allows you to walk out of that interview, understanding if it is a good fit for you or not, and really kind of trusting your gut on if it aligns with your personal values and kind of your personal mission statement, if you will. So just, abs- just a yeah. side, side comment. I, no, I absolutely tanked my first interview. I remember well, it was, it was the first one that I actually cared that I got the job, right? Like after college, you, yeah. you know, you find a job with a large company, they'll hire anybody. But um, and what I did, I remember after that was I just went out and I applied to a ton of roles. A lot of them that I probably was overqualified for, but just to get interview experience because companies do tend to ask the same questions. And if you consistently answer those questions over and over again, eventually you get pretty good at it. Um, so, I mean, just to pile on that, if anybody's listening and you feel like your interview skills are, are no good, like practice is what you need to do. I, I think it's very hard for somebody yeah. to practice enough, like real life practice yeah. too, right? Like I think you can give somebody great pointers and you can role play a little bit, but you know, my advice is always to go out and interview as much as you can so that, and even jobs that maybe you don't care about. And that way, when the job you want comes up, you're ready for it and you can put your best foot forward. Um, but I'll digress on that and jump off the soapbox. As far as switching gears now, I, I am curious for, for people that are a little newer in their careers, mm-hmm. how does a corporate job on a resume impact your career trajectory versus a small company? And maybe it doesn't, but I'm just curious on your thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, my thoughts, and this was, this was my reality. I, I encourage earlier career, uh, people are, you know, coming right, coming right out of school, like that first one to three years go for the large company. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why is because you're going to learn best practices. You're going to, um, you're going to have, you know, you're, you're, you may know what you want to do, but you may not. And at a large company, it's so much easier to move around. You know, I, I'm going to be, you know, I went into talent acquisition for a year and didn't love that. So then I, you know, I, I moved to comp. You're a lot more able to be nimble and, and move around in a larger company. Also name recognition, having that on a resume um, is, is powerful too. Um, so my recommendation is to go to the larger organizations first. Um, but if not, I mean, I think that there's a lot to be learned in smaller organizations where, um, you know, especially if you're hungry and you're, you kind of can, can um, be independent and you're happy to roll up your sleeves and figure it out. Um, you know, a lot of good experience can, can be gained at smaller organizations too. So Andrea, given the time of the year that we're in right now, um, in case anyone's listening to this episode later in 2022, this episode's being recorded in January of 2022. Um, I know that this happens to be a pretty busy time of year for companies starting to post roles and even candidates really evaluating whether or not they want to make a move. And then on top of it, we have COVID and the great resignation. So can you just share with our listeners a little bit about what you're seeing right now um, in those categories and specifically how you're seeing that affect uh, human resources roles? Yeah, I think HR has never been as valued as it is right now. I think COVID shed a lot of light on what a good HR function can do from an organization. Um, And, you know, in fact, I just did a search or I didn't do the search. I saw uh, an image on LinkedIn about it. There were 
8,000 recruiter jobs posted um, on, on January 3rd. I mean, the war for talent is significant and, and good HR partners have never been more valuable. So it's a wonderful time for people in HR. Um, I think our, our function is extremely valued right now and people are looking to really build up very talented HR teams. So that's actually a really great segue into with there being so many opportunities, why would a candidate want to use a search firm like Skywater right now versus just applying for jobs on LinkedIn or other job boards? Sure. Um, well, the benefit to, to working with a recruiter is one, I mean, you, you don't cost anything. We're free. The, the company is paying for our services. So we are a value add um, to candidates. Um, and so we have the unique opportunity, as I, I've shared earlier, we, we vet the organizations that we partner with. So we often have longstanding relationships and really understand the culture, kind of the priorities of the organizations and how candidates will best fit kind of you know, a matchmaker from a personality perspective. And it, we can also be a partner again with, with candidates to do a lot of that heavy lifting and that prep to make sure that they're, they're putting their best foot forward as they move forward in their career search. Obviously, we want to be the one to partner and ultimately place them, but sometimes it doesn't happen and we're still happy to make that connection and, and have that um, individual be a part of our network for the long term. Great. So tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, um, what social media platforms you're on, how you prefer to be contacted, um, and anything else uh, that you'd want to put out into the world before we close up today. Sure. Yeah. LinkedIn is my best friend. So um, I would love to, if you're interested in in understanding what it's like to partner with a, uh, an executive recruiter and or you have talent needs on your HR team that you want to talk about, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, again, Andrea Anderson and uh, Skywater Search Partners is the firm that I work with. And I can be reached at aanderson at skywatersearch.com. Awesome. Well, it was such a pleasure having you today. Thanks for your time. We'll include um, that email address and some of those kind of contact points in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. And um, it's been a pleasure. So thanks again. Thank you. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.